Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Amen. All right. Sorry for the hiccup there. That was a great worship set. I mean, y'all better be glad I'm not like one of those like musical preachers. I go, hmm, we'd all be in here like humming and singing, keep going. God knew what he was doing when he did not give me that gift, as I can tell already. One hum, and everyone was like, let's get out of here. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of crowded here for a second. Um, I know you guys just heard uh, Cash read one verse, and so you're thinking like, whoa, one verse is all we got to go through. We're going to be out of here in no time. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but we're talking about work ethic, and I'm going to work outwork all of you and talk longer than you can listen. So uh, we'll see who's the last man standing. Uh, But no, we are talking about work ethic today. Um, When Josh uh, saw this sermon coming up, he picked his brain on who was the hardest worker he knew, like who who had that work ethic that just stood out. Um, And after going down the list and a lot of people saying no, he's like, well, I guess Wade will do then. So uh, I got the call up from the bullpen and uh, here we are. But no, work ethic, I think, is something I think has been really like impactful in my life. My dad, my parents always like tried to instill in us like a really strong work ethic. But I also think a lot of us like view it differently. Like when you think of like a hard worker or who's hardworking, uh, where like work ethic comes from, right? Like it seems like our parents' generation always had it harder, right? They walked uphill both ways to work. They ate sand for lunch. They were paid a nickel and they could not be more happy, you know, like in a day-to-day life. And then the generation after us were always like, well, they never work, you know, like we, I'm a millennial, so we always say the Gen Z know, don't even know what work is. Um, our generation's always the, the, the one that works hardest. We're smart working, right? Um, we're efficient at what we do. Um, I think most people are more inclined to say that they give their best, that they work their very best, more so than they would say like they give the minimum effort. Um, but truthfully, I, I'd say it's almost rare to find someone with genuinely strong work ethic. Um, and some of you may disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. I, I'm thinking in my own life from colleagues I've worked with, just people I know. Um, if you think about today and like kind of like where uh, like work and work ethic is kind of valued in today's world, it's not necessarily like of the most utmost value from like a cultural standpoint. I think truthfully people do value it when it is like um, present, but we, we hear a lot of like, um, you know, uh, we have to create this perfect environment sometimes for people to actually produce their best. A lot of people are maybe not intrinsically motivated to do that. And so it's, it's hard I think sometimes to find uh, a group of people or an individual who at everything they do in their life, they're given their absolute best. And I know sometimes it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. There's times in our lives that we think about like, oh, like we've given our best here or there, or we're passionate about this one thing, so we'll give our best there. Um, and uh, you know, some some wise word for, words from our friend Matt. You know, he said, "Work ethic takes work." You know, and that's wisdom, right? Um, work ethic takes work, and but. Uh, it does, right? Like even today, like if you're just sitting there during worship, we have people walking by, we have cars going by, like you have to kind of work to even like listen or to worship or to pay attention to me now. Like even small things require work. And I don't want you to think about it just as like a nine to five job, but a lot of things in our life, they require work ethic to get the most out of it. 
And I think we have all these different opinions, um, and you probably have like learned what work ethic is, or maybe your view on work ethic came from you know the people who raised you, maybe a coach, maybe your first boss, maybe you're getting it from social media or TikTok now. Um, you know, I think the biggest lie I ever told might be like find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think you guys agree, right? Like. Um, we live in this like world now where like I'm a remote worker. I work from home all day. I think there's a lot of people that's kind of like this cultural change. A lot of people have gotten like these remote jobs. And you know, there's people who are working two, three jobs remote, but they're really not working any job, right? You have this whole phenomenon of quiet quitting. Like the whole culture has kind of like developed this um, ideology or this like way of working that's like, hey, Get what you can by doing the very minimum. Like, hey, you take what you can take, you do what you can do, and make sure you're looking out for you know, numero uno. And then on the other side, you have people who are saying, if you're not working 80 hours a week, you're not making over 400 grand a year, then you're lazy and you're slacking off. Well, I can tell you, even if I worked 80 hours a week, I don't think I'd be touching that 400 grand a year mark. And, and so it's not always like black and white. We see a lot of this like kind of gray, different areas of viewpoints, and different way that people explain what good work ethic is and like where the value is. Um, in fact, it was kind of a big challenge for me because a lot of my views of work ethic came from what my parents or from my job or from when I played a sport and had a coach trying to tell you what to do, right? And so I wanted to make sure today that like, I, I did my best to take away my own personal opinions and let's purely look at what Proverbs is saying for work ethic. You know, have we ever stopped and actually thought, what does God think about work ethic? What does godly with wisdom apply to work? Is there value in that? Like, does God care at all how dedicated I am to providing my best self for, for to actually give my all in work ethic? And, and I kind of ask myself that question, and, and I think, you know, I don't know how many times I've stopped and, and really, like, said, hey, me going and doing this job, nine to five, or me working at this uh, here or there, like, when I think about work ethic, have I truly stopped and said, does God even care about work ethic? Is there wisdom in work ethic? Like, is there a way to be wise in your work? And, you know, we have uh, the privilege of, of having the Bible. We have Proverbs, which is... Uh, the series we're doing this, this summer, and to really see where wisdom applies to work ethic. So uh, uh, I'm excited today to jump into it, and we're going to look at a couple different people um, in Proverbs it talks about. So I want us to go a level deeper as we discuss this today. I want you to, I, I'm going to refer to a lot as work and how we work, but I want you to think past of it more than just like a job, like more than your nine to five I want you to go deeper in, in how does work affect our work ethic affect our lives? How does it affect our families, our relationships, and our spiritual growth? Uh, when this is written, a lot of this is talking about, you know, plowing the field and, and so that you have crops, right? Like their whole lifestyle uh, back in this time was like if you did not farm the field, you weren't going to have food in the winter. So it was more of a lifestyle of like your work ethic is going to tr- uh, show if you're a diligent worker or if you're a slacker. So we're gonna look at two people, one being the slacker or the sluggard uh, or uh, the lazy person is how the Bible refers to it. And then the other person we're gonna look at is the diligent worker. Um, our main verse, as Cash said, is, is uh, Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So let's start with the slacker. 
Um, we're going to start with kind of like this picture of who the slacker is. Uh, Proverbs 24, 30 through 34 says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and I took it to heart. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest. And your poverty and poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses today, a lot of Proverbs that are going to like be a little bit unique in their language. And I'm going to try my best to relate them to how you can see today. We see this picture of a slacker like an, uh, an outside view of someone like walking by essentially a slacker's life, like their house, their land, and it's all overgrown. You can see there's no taking care of it. There's no crops that are going to grow. And it's basically saying that, hey, even a little bit of rest, even just like a, a little bit of slacking off and poverty and hunger and your need will come like a robber, like a bandit. You know, like in today, if I think of like a modern day slacker without pointing out or calling anybody in this room, right? No, but everyone, I think if everyone's seen The uh, Office, maybe have you heard of The Office, like Michael Scott is like the epitome of a slacker, right? He's like the numero uno, doesn't ever want to get any work done, just wants to be there. There's like a whole episode actually where all Michael has to do is sign some documents. And if he doesn't sign the documents because it's the end of the year, end of the quarter, end of the month, then none of the employees get to go home. And like he delays the whole day just by pranking uh, the office employees because he doesn't want to actually work um, to the fact where the employees actually go and like forge his signature on the documents, right? Like, you cannot rely on this on Michael, right, to get any work done. It's kind of the picture we picture this like slacker, this person that you don't really um, trust um, to work well or to do what what is needed to be done. Like when you think of work ethic, the first person coming to your mind is not Michael Scott, right? Is not a uh, person who like lives a life of like slacking off essentially. And so, I want us to when we compare these two people today, we're going to compare like kind of the outcomes and the characteristics of what a slacker is. And then also on the back end, how do we be a diligent worker? So a slacker is unreliable. Proverbs 10, 26 says, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. If anyone's ever been around a campfire and had smoke in your eyes, or maybe you're cooking and you cooked a little too long and you got some smoke flying up into your eyes, right? It's annoying, it's burning, it's, it's terrible. This is the, the picture that's painted for, for like an employer or someone who's like working with a slacker, right? And when we see this, we see like, you're not gonna trust this person to do anything of importance. Like every time you, you go to this person, right, it's just this annoyance of, of unreliability, like not getting the things done that you need to be done, get done. He's unfulfilled. The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. 2125 says, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. I think this one I, I relate to the most uh, from like when I look back in my, my time that like if I have ever seen myself like this start slacking off, start going down a path where I'm not giving my best in like my day-to-day -day life, I start having that feeling of like unfulfillment. Like I think we can all relate to some point in our lives feeling like we're not fulfilled, fully fulfilled in our lives. 
And, you know, I've, I've, I've never, like, really tied it to the fact that, hey, am I working diligently for a, a goal that is under the purpose of God? Opposed, I'm just like, man, I don't know. I, I'm going to blame it on this job, or I'm going to blame it on this relationship. And, you know, we have, like, a tangible thing here that says, like, hey, you're going to crave and get nothing. Your soul craves and get nothing if you're slacking off. <clears throat> and so when I start to crave things and, 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 you know, you get into that trouble, it's when, like, I'm stagnant, when I don't feel like I'm focused in that direction or have a direction. And we see here the importance of our soul being fed, and, and, and the slacker is the opposite of that. He, he craves all these things, but he's not working to get any of them. So he's unfulfilled. Um, he's beset by problems. Uh, Proverbs 15, 19 says, The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Um, anytime you've given a half-heartedly like, effort towards something, right, the smallest inconveniences are even bigger. You're not prepared for them. You're not, um, like, this, you're not like, committed to go through them, but you let the smallest things hinder you and bring you, uh, to slow you down. So he's unfulfilled. He's beset by problems. He is hungry. Slothfulness is cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. You know, today we have everything at our fingertips. We have Amazon. We have grocery stores. You know, we can, there's times we can kind of slack off and, and uh, still be able to go get what we need to get. This was a very, like, one-to-one -one picture back then when, like, hey, if you didn't farm your field, if you didn't, like, go out and work and plow and do hard, diligent work set for the goal, come winter, you're not going to have food. And so it's like a very easy picture of seeing like when you slack off, you're going to come hu become hungry. You're not going to have food to eat. So he's beset by problems. He's hungry. He's full of excuses. The sluggard says, there's a line outside. I shall be killed in the street. He never finishes anything. Proverbs 12, 27 says, whoever is slothful will not, will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. 1924 says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. He's poverty-stricken. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. These are all things I don't think any of us want to be characterized, right? If your time was up, and on your, your, uh, your tombstone, they were like, let's write some things of, of what we think about this person's life. And they put, well, he was unreliable. Well, Wade, he was pretty unfulfilled. He was beset by problems. He was hungry. He was full of excuses. He never finished anything. He was poverty stricken. None of these things I don't think we want, right? I don't think we want to, like, experience or be known as or be, like, seen as this slacking off person in our day-to-day -day life. It's, it's not wise and it's not God-honoring. And then the final one for the slacker, and I know we kind of went through these pretty fast, but I want to spend time on what it looks like to have a godly work ethic. But the final one, I think, is the most important one. And that is, he is hopeless. Proverbs 26, 14 through 16 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. 
If we were to look at the whole chapter of 26, one, verses 1 through 11, before we get to where we are here, you basically see uh, all these proverbs on like how a fool is useless and has no hope for a fool. Like, literally, I want you to go home and you can go back and look at Proverbs 1 through 12. It's basically how like a fool uh, really is like useless. There's really not any hope for a fool. And then it ends with saying, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Because there's more hope for a fool than there is for that man. And we see here in verse 16, the slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. We depict this, homeless, this hopelessness for fools, and yet the slacker, the sluggard, has less hope than the fool. You may be thinking, like, I'm okay with being uh, a little bit unreliable. I'm okay with going a little bit hungry. I'm okay with, uh, you know, being beset by problems. I'm, I'm okay with throwing excuses. But let me tell you that, you that it leads to hopelessness. It leads to dishonoring God. Living a life that without godly work ethic is dishonoring to the gifts and the abilities God has given to you. He has placed you where you are in your life to a witness at, for him, to represent Christ and to go through life as this slacker, as is in Proverbs, do you think that's representing Christ, right? Instead, we have to view our day-to-day -day life, whether that's going to our nine-to-five job, whether that's going and, and anything we do in our life, we have to bring that work ethic in a way that is honoring to God. I can think about times where I'm just doing my job and I'm aggravated at this or that, and I'm not giving my best, and I know people know that I'm not giving my best. But when I view it from a standpoint, not of like, hey, is this good for me, or hey, am I going to get paid for this, or what is the culture thing about this, but I think about it as God has placed me here, he has given me the abilities, he's given me the gifts to give my all, to give my best, to have godly work ethic. Wisdom says that godly work ethic, um, and the work ethic of the diligent, um, is good, and that's what we're here for, okay? So, let's look at why godly work ethic is good. I want to refer to it as a diligent, because that's what it's referred to in Proverbs. I think it gives us a better view of what it is, right? A diligent worker is someone who's continually, who's planned out, who's like on a mission and is diligent to accomplish it. And this is why I think why Proverbs uses that, that language there. Um, when we think of someone with, with like real work ethic, um, I think a lot of times we think of people who, you know, work all the time, um, you know, and like eliminate distractions. And there's some valuable things from that, and there's some things that are probably not as valuable, that are a little bit more on the worldly side, right? Like if you think about someone like Steve Jobs, like he's known for like taking every decision out of his life so that he could just focus on work. Like what he was going to wear, what he was going to eat. He didn't make any of those decisions. They were all set. He wore the same thing, ate the same thing, so he could focus on his work and work, you know, 800 hours in a week. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy. I don't think that's really what's, what Proverbs is describing as a diligent, godly worker. Um, but, but the good thing is, is we do have the, the Proverbs here that's going to describe what a diligent worker is. What does it look like to work um, and have godly work ethic? What does wisdom think about working and having that work ethic? And so I want to I wanna go through these. There's, there's gonna, I'm going to give you a cheat code here. There's three main points, and they all fit under one umbrella, okay? We're going to get to the umbrella at the end, but we're going to go through the three points. I want you to think, of, think through as um, how, how diligent work 
um, brings, you know, reward to you or brings, um, like, how does wisdom view diligent work? And so the diligent, we have a picture of it here, is in Proverbs 12, 24. And I know Don is working diligently because I think Ray made a thousand slides that I didn't know we were going to have. So Ray worked diligently. I was the one that didn't, that didn't tell him to put slides on everything, but we're doing it. So Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Verse 27 says, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Hard work is a wisdom virtue, necessary to gaining wisdom and to success in life. Thus, laziness is the opposite. You know, I know people who work hard in certain areas of their life, like they're very passionate about uh, something, right? And you know them to like give their all in that one area. But everywhere else, maybe they just kind of slack off, do whatever, but they're really focused on one point. And I, and I think it's good that you can find something that you're passionate about that to be focused on and to give, give your all and to give your best. But I think what this like wise, diligent work ethic is, is to really uh, understand where your life is impacted by all things and to give your best in all those, to really like plan out and be diligent in all those. So when we think about um, working hard, if we think about today, most people, why do you go to your job? Why do you work hard? What is your end goal? Um, and a lot of them would probably say, like, I want to be wealthy, or I want to be rich. I want to go and work hard to gain wealth. Well, we see here, like, when wisdom looks at this, the diligent do not work to be wealthy. Hard work can lead to wealth, but the diligent does not work to become rich. Proverbs 23, 4 says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. 15, 15 through 17 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. You know, I think we can all agree, like, diligent work will bring reward. Like, if you work diligently, if you know someone who works hard and, and is focused and is planned out and is smart about their work, that there will be reward. Like, they, they will receive um, money or power or resources but you know and even proverbs says that you know the lord does not let the righteous go hungry but he thwarts the craving of the wicked lazy hands make for poverty but diligent hands bring wealth he who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son but he who sleeps in, during the harvest is a disgraceful son i'm not saying now that like if you work hard god's going to come down and bless you and bring you all this money and and resources and power um, I know Christians who are extremely wealthy, and, and they're extremely generous as well. And there's not a, 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 a bad thing about being wealthy, per se. But it's the wealth and power can be byproducts of a diligent worker, but it's not the goal. If, if our focus is how can we be wealthy, how can we be powerful, how can we just get, gain all this money and do all these things if we work hard, that's not what, what Proverbs is saying is a wise way to go about working. So, here's the three points. The diligent work to be prepared. The diligent strategizes, it doesn't scheme. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. I've sometimes heard that as a Christian, you shouldn't worry about saving money, that you shouldn't worry about investing or being smart with your money, like you should just like only worry about what's happening right now. And I think Proverbs is kind of saying, uh, you know, you shouldn't worry, but you should be smart. You should be prepared. You should strat strategize 
Um, if you plan out what you're going to do, um, that's a wise way to handle work and, and resources. You know, we should be good stewards of the gifts um, and resources that God has blessed us with. You know, Josh talked about money a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to go all the way down that, that road. But when we plan out our work, the diligent, it says here, is a wise way of living, is planning out where you're going, what you're doing in a wise way, strategizing, not scheming. It's important to be diligent in these affairs. It's important to strategize and be diligent in accomplishing wise goals. We have to rely on the gifts God gave us and putting those to use. We're not relying on the lottery. Okay, that's a tangible way to take away. The diligent work to be supplied. The diligent works for what he needs. Proverbs 26, or excuse me, 1626 says, A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. Anyone who tills the land will have plenty of bread, but one who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. If you work diligently, you have everything you need. I think it's clear throughout the Bible that if you're faithful, God will be faithful in return. And it's important to stay focused on what you need, not what your neighbor has. Um, it gets easy to get thrown off track when we start like visualizing other things and like what we could be and what we could have we see on social media or, or whatever it is. But it's saying that like a worker's appetite works for him. The things that we need is our goal. We work to be supplied to have what we need. It says in, in uh, as I read, read earlier on verse 19, but one who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. It's so easy like to start envying like what others have and we start like going, how can I get there quickly? How can I get what they have? And we get distracted and we get off track of what, where our plans are leading us, where we should be giving our best and we start thinking about well, what could be. We start getting our mindset so easy to get like out of like what we need, where we are in life, and where God has us working. We start thinking like get quick, get rich quick schemes, and think about like I'm not happy here because I want to have that. So how do I get to that? And that's such an easy slope to go down. I can think of it in my own life when I'm like working, I'm on track, I'm doing great, and then I meet someone who has a job way easier than me, making way more than me, and they're out on a yacht, and they got their beautiful mountain home, and they got their personal chef, and I'm like, all right, I need that. And when I start doing that, when we start allowing ourselves to get distracted, we're no longer working to be supplied. We're just chasing things that we don't need. And so a diligent worker, a wise worker, a worker who's working for the glory of God is works to be supplied. He lets uh, his or her appetite work for him. He goes after what he needs, she needs, um, and nothing more. You know, work for what you and your family need. God will handle the rest. And then finally, the diligent work to be fulfilled. The diligent is fully satisfied. Verse 13, 4 says, The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. This is the one for me. If you told me all, if you read the whole sermon, if you went through all these verses, this is the one that, that I desire so badly. I can think of times when my soul just is not fulfilled. When I, if I just view my job as a job, I view my relationships as a relationship, I just view my life as like, I'm just trying to figure things out, I'm just going through it. But we are all wanting to be fulfilled. And we'll do whatever we can to fill that 
that void and to fill that feeling. And truthfully, what, what this wisdom is coming from Proverbs is saying that like your soul is craving purpose. It's craving uh, something more than just day-to-day life. It's craving that you would have a goal and a plan and that you would have a diligent work, a purpose that you can truly commit to. And it can be a roller coaster sometimes. There's sometimes I felt that I was completely committed, I was completely on track, and maybe you can relate to that. And there's times that I felt like I was off track. I don't know where I was. I was kind of floating, and you feel like that lack of purpose. I think we all can agree that we want a purpose to do something. And, you know, we see here in this verse, like, the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Does that not sound, like, wonderful to have? Like, that your soul, that, like, in your day-to-day life, that you are, like, completely satisfied. You know, I, I don't know if my dad will hear this, but he'll give me a hard time because I brought him up here. But I, I brought up a thing. But my dad is, you know, I think we were too hard as kids. You know, he was always, we were always working. But I'll tell you what, like from a work ethic standpoint, being satisfied in what he did and what he had and not thinking about like greater things, like set an incredible example of like waking up, doing his job, providing for his family, committed to the work, committed that, that God would provide everything else that we needed and not chasing like wild fantasies that me and my brother and sister wanted like but dad, what if we had a boat? Or dad, what if we had this? Like, what if we really like stretch it out? Can you go pick up another job? Like, my dad was a pilot. And I remember thinking he, re- he retired from the Air Force and he had got a job offer to go like fly in Dubai and make like half a million dollars a year and be gone six months and come back six months. And he's like, it's not worth it. Like, it's more worth it to be just what we need with my family working here. And I'm thinking, dad, get out of here. I want a boat. But, you know, I think you probably have seen people in your life, I hope you have, like you know people, you've seen people who seem like they have so committed to what they, they need, they work for what they need, they're committed, and you can see that their soul is satisfied. It's richly supplied. I can tell you, you could tell me right now, Wade, you could have a million dollars, a billion dollars, but you'll never be satisfied, or you can have what you need, and you can be so richly satisfied. I'm going to choose satisfaction in my soul. I'm going to, try, I'm going to choose to be richly supplied. We see that all the time, I think, with social media. We see these stories of people who have everything, but they are lacking what really matters. They lack uh, satisfaction, money, happiness. They don't they don't combine. They think they're going to be happy if they just have, you know, I can think about it in my own job. If I just get promoted, I'm going to be happy. If I just get a raise, I'm going to be happy. If I just was able to live here or do this or not have to work, I would be happy. And we see here from the wisdom of God, from the wisdom of Proverbs saying, none of those things provide happiness. If you want to be richly supplied, be diligent after what God wants for you. So how do we even know if we're on the right track? How do you know if you're on the right goal? How do you know if your job or what you're working to, are you being diligent? How do you know that? So here's the umbrella. We work not to be wealthy. We, the diligent works to be prepared, to be supplied, and to be fulfilled, all under the purpose of God. We work for the purpose of God. Proverbs 19, 20 through 22 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. 
Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but the, it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Chapter 16, verse 2 through 4 says, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Before we can plan, before we can strategize, before we can even like start working diligently and working hard to a goal, we must have faith that God is in control. We must understand that before we can start thinking about strategizing, before we can start actually pushing towards a goal, we have to give our goal to God. If we start making our plans without God aligned there, you're never going to reach that satisfaction, that richly supplied. Your soul is never going to reach that. You're not even going to be able to continue committing to God because if you make your own plans, your own plans won't stand. Wisdom says that make your plans in committed commitment to God. Give your plans to Him. You can't give a little bit to Him. You can't give a, a, a small part of your life. You can't give almost every part of your life, every part of your career, every part of your you know, your desires, you can't give like a little bit or most, you have to give all of it. God calls us to work hard, to set an example, to represent Christ with all that we have, our time, our energy, our resources. To do that, we got to give it all to him. Surrendering our plans to him, knowing that they will only stand if they're aligned with what God wants in your life. You have a purpose God has a purpose for you, but if you start going your own way, your that won't stand. You will never reach fulfillment of that purpose. If you want to be fulfilled in your work, if you want to be fulfilled in your life, then we have to commit it to God. If you've been listening and wondering, like, how do I find a desire to commit myself? How do I pursue diligence and strive to give my best? Like, what am I even giving my best for? I sure don't want to give my best for my boss. I don't want to give my best for this paycheck. I don't want to give my best because people are going to view me a certain way. Why am I giving my best? Maybe we need to take a step back and say, have we actually thought about this from a, from a spiritual standpoint? Have we thought about this in a way that God has a purpose for you, that God uh, desires for you to work in a wise way, to have godly work ethic, to set an example for others to see in you if we just work hard for money if we just work hard for a promotion if we just work hard for a relationship for this or that god is saying it's not enough he's saying for your purpose to align with the purpose i have for you for you to reach fulfillment you have to give it all to him you have to give it all to god You want to be richly supplied, fully satisfied, fully prepared, not worrying about the next paycheck, not worrying about if you're going to eat next week. You work hard to be richly and fully satisfied by honoring God. If you can honor God in your life, if you can truly think the effort I'm giving in my life is providing a diligent, clear path and it's honoring God, that's where God's gonna, uh, that's where you're gonna find fully satisfaction. That's where you're gonna be richly supplied. I want you to take this time 
to really think about, are you praying diligently uh, to align your plans with God as we close? Are you giving your best to him? Are you striving to be a diligent worker? Working hard isn't easy, but we see here in Proverbs that it's worth it. It's worth the sacrifice. So as we close in prayer, we're going to have three ways that you can kind of take away from, from uh, the sermon today, from worship. I want you really to close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to think about, uh, are you giving what you have for God? Something that may not seem spiritual, something that may not seem like God would even care about, but your work ethic matters, the way you prepare, the way you align and commit your, your plans to God, it all matters, and God wants it to be aligned with his purpose. So take this time, think about your life, pray to God, are you truthfully giving everything you have to him? All of your work, all of your energy, is it going to the purpose that God has for you? Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.